Chapter 14 Cockroaches The door opened into a two-storey entrance hall with marble pillars above and below the balcony supporting candy-striped arches of brown and white stone. It looked, Leah thought, like an Italian courtyard, gothic with a lacy hint of the Orient. In Italy it would have been open to the sky. Here it was glass-roofed against the Limerick rain. There was a marble fireplace under the balcony, around which she could imagine an Irish family huddling in the winter months. The walls were painted an alarming shade of yellow. The ornamentation of the hallway mimicked the exterior of the house so closely that Leah had the sense of a set of intricately carved ivory boxes, each one opening to reveal a smaller version of itself. There will be another house within this one and then another, just like a Russian doll. She thought, I wonder will I ever find the way out? Mad stuff, said Kit appreciatively like a circus. Leah looked more closely. The general sense of stripiness reminded her of a circus tent too. The stone capital at the top of each column was carved to a different theme. Huntsmen and floppy-eared hounds. A horse poking its head from acanthus leaves. Buxom milkmaids amid hairy cows. She reached up to stroke the nose of an appealing pig. Kit laughed. The cows are my favourite, and the milkmaid, carrying the pail on her head like a Grecian urn. They climbed the stairs and leant over the gallery rail. You're an interior designer, right? Kit's dark hair fell across her face as she looked down at the hall below. Leah glanced at her, feeling awkward. That's why I'm here. Ethan Blake wanted me to have a look at the house before he starts work on it. Kit seemed focused on the intricacies of the plaster work. Any idea what you're going to do? Leah closed her eyes and concentrated on the silence in the hall. When Ronan came into a new building and he thought that no one was watching, he danced. She imagined him stepping out onto the parquet floor below them, standing in silence, arms crossed and head bowed. Then he began to move, counterclockwise, rotating on his left foot in short twists, using his right foot to drive his body round. Gradually he gathered momentum, whirling in circles until his thinking mind dissolved into the great beyond. Spinning, as he explained it, was an autism thing. It stimulated the cerebellum in a helpful way. Aspie kids did it to scramble their little brains into acting normal for a while. Usually their parents drummed it out of them, but Ronan didn't have those kind of parents. Leah had an early memory of sitting in a supermarket trolley while her brother, aged about eight and temporarily overwhelmed by the pressures of shopping, gyrated in the middle of the meat aisle. Even at that early age, she knew that it wasn't a performance. Don't you get dizzy? she had asked him once. Yes, he said, but that's kind of the point. By the age of 12, Ronan had researched Sufism, the Mevlevi order, and the whirling Sama ceremony, and convinced himself, and everyone in his family, that if the dervishes could spin themselves closer to God, then it was a legitimate way of clearing his mind. Apart from that one time, 
the one that they never talked about. He only ever did it in private. Leah, he said kindly, didn't really count. The roof leaks, Kit said. I suppose you should know that. Leah opened her eyes, jolted back into the here and now, and the imaginary Ronan vanished, leaving her without insight. Kit was pointing at a grubby pyramid of glass set into the ceiling and clearly intended to draw light into the hole. It leaks, she said again. It actually leaks a lot. Leah was not at all surprised. What do you do in winter? Since the hardship, we put buckets under the leaks and wait for the rain to stop. Would Ethan Blake not pay for repairs? Kit shrugged. He would, of course, but there's no one living locally now. If we can't fix it ourselves, it goes on the list. Their eyes met. It wasn't called the hardship for nothing. At a loss for something to say, Leah turned and inspected the door behind her, a great slab of oak carved in an elaborate pattern of Celtic knots. The design was stilted, but the craftsmanship was exquisite. Leah traced the pattern with the tip of her finger. I've never seen anything like this house, she said, and I honestly don't have a clue what to do with it. Kit smiled, her brown eyes glowing. It is such a strange house, but we're used to it, so we don't really notice it anymore. Have you been here for a very long time? All my life. That's why I was asking. Everything in the house has been the same since I was a little girl. Same furniture, same carpets, same paintings on the walls. It's been the same for so long that it's impossible to imagine any different. That's the problem, Leah thought. It's been left to its own devices for far too long. She wondered if... Under certain circumstances, a building might acquire a level of consciousness. I lit a fire to take the chill off the room, said Kit. It might have gone out, though. The chimneys are terrible. All the bedrooms are called after the signs of the Zodiac, apart from the nursery and the tower. Scorpio is one of the nicest. The room had a plaster plaque of a scorpion above the door and smelt pleasantly of lavender and mothballs. There was a brass bed, knobs shining, with a strange lump under its candlewick bedspread. Kit lifted the covers to reveal a metal cage containing a light bulb. Dad made these years ago, she said. They're a step up from brass warming pans, but they work. She patted the bottom sheet. I'd keep that in a while longer, it's still a bit damp. Leah sat down on the window seat and inspected her phone. Really strong signal. Kit grinned. Didn't used to be. We couldn't get any electronics to work around here until Ethan Blake inherited. He had it all sorted within a fortnight. I'll leave you settle in, so. Dinner's at seven, and the bathroom's at the end of the hall. Kit shut the door behind her, and Leah listened to her steps, receding down the hall. I am an idiot, Leah told herself. She's been awkward with me ever since I said that thing about the milk. I should have kept my big mouth shut. Her neck had begun to ache in a way that she hoped was not the beginning of whiplash. She glanced longingly at the bed, but it was occupied by the warming contraption. Above it, a framed sketch in pastels showed children absorbed with butterfly nets and lamps in the logia to the south of the house, their faces chalky ovals in the dusk. She knelt on the bed to read the label. Mothing.
You could feel the movement in the sketch, children darting between marble pillars, insects fluttering into the lamplight and the soft swoop of nets. They probably impaled the moths on pins, she thought. In any case, they were all gone now. Delicate insects had been the first to succumb to rainfall. People missed the butterflies, but nobody thought much about the moths. And yet she could remember whole evenings spent rescuing them from the fatal attraction of a candle flame. She heard a scuttering sound and looked over the side of the bed to see a large cockroach squeeze itself under the door, trot confidently around the perimeter of the room and disappear through a crack in the floorboards. That's the way of the future, she thought. Cockroaches will outlive us all. Leah's head had begun to ache. She curled up in the window seat, which was also damp, and stared bleakly across the ruined land. Her phone bleeped. It was a message from Martha. There in one piece? Just about. Karen Ditch. Not hurt. Just a bit shook. How about a nice hot bath? XXX. What would I do without you? XXX. XX. Martha always knew what would make her feel better. Leah delved for her wash bag and wondered briefly how a house like this could ever be adapted to the needs of a Californian family. They would probably all want their own bathrooms. Throwing a towel over her shoulder, she went off to find the only bath in Carmoyle. The bathroom was at the other end of a long corridor, lined with hunting prints, positioned to hide the damp patches on the wall. The carpet, Persian in origin, was threadbare in the middle. In places it had been patched. Leah closed her bedroom door, catching a whiff of the metallic tang she had smelt at the threshold. There was an unpleasant atmosphere in the corridor. The cockroach, or one of its fellows, emerged from the skirting board, followed by a companion, then a third, then a fourth. They proceeded up the passageway in a purposeful procession, keeping to the floorboards at the side of the carpet. Then, without warning, they fled, vanishing simultaneously between the cracks. Something nasty is approaching, she thought. Then she told herself not to be imagining things. But there was something in the corridor. A deep, irrational terror enveloped her. She felt a strong desire to run, but could not move. It did not occur to her to scream. The walls became blurred, and she could no longer see the pattern on the carpet, which seemed to be flowing backwards. The feeling of malevolence intensified, as sudden and distinct as a cold current in the sea. With it came a horrible feeling of losing control, the tug of a riptide sucking her in and down. And then it passed, leaving a lingering smell of snuff. Leah dived into the bathroom, slammed the door and locked it. She leant, shivering against the wall, and groped for her phone in her pocket. Something really scary in the corridor. I'm locked in the bathroom, not joking. OMG, did you see anything? No, totally spooked. WTF? Leah had often felt that people left some kind of imprint on the places where they lived and worked but she had never, ever experienced anything as frightening as this. 
Her phone bleeped again. Flush the toilet and run the bath. They don't like running water. I think that's witches. What are you going to do? Stay here until somebody comes to rescue me. <laughs>